We are rounding the bend, so to speak, uh, of our study with Thomas Watson and Deliver Us from Evil. Uh, really, the, all of the sixth petition, but of course, uh, the last section of it tonight. Um, we finished last week the third of three special requests. Remember, generally, we pray and deliver us from evil, deliver us from, the, uh, from evil itself, evil of sin. And then recently, we've been studying specially, we pray, uh, to deliver us from our own evil heart, to deliver us from the evil one, Satan. And, and then lastly, the last two, weeks, uh, last two studies, deliver us from this evil world. Okay? And we looked at, a, that was a much longer study. We're picking it up tonight uh, with, with a, a more positive aspect that he has hinted at before. And uh, I, I intend at the next study to complete the book. Now, as you know, there'll be a few more appendices studies from some other books, but in terms of Thomas Watson proper on the Lord's Prayer, his book, The Lord's Prayer, studying the sixth petition, uh, I think tonight and one more study, we'll, we'll have it directly completed. Um, tonight, what we study is the positive thing implied. Now, remember, um, when I think it's question 99 of the Westminster Larger Catechism, it teaches us how to really study the Ten Commandments. A number of things it discusses. One of it is that when something is said negatively, the positive is implied or vice versa. And also with the reasons annexed, uh, the positive or negative is implied. And so Watson is pointing out that though explicitly it's a fairly negative in the sense of protect me from doing these bad things, being tempted and possibly giving in to them. On the other hand, the positive is implied. And he, he touched on this a little while ago, but didn't say a lot about it. He's revisiting it now. Growth and holiness. It isn't just that we don't want to sin and we kind of, you know, bury our head in the sand like a, like a, uh, help me out here. Ostrich. I was going to say octopus. I need to eat. Okay. And I knew it wasn't an octopus. <laughs> Boy, let me tell you later about an amazing video I saw about an octopus recently. But those things are amazing. Yeah, Rich. Well, they actually do, don't they? they have, but it was more that my brain wasn't clicking. So stingrays, yeah. So um, an ostrich. I don't even know if ostriches actually do this. But on the cartoons, they do. Do they? Do you know that they do? They bury their head in the sand. And, um, you know, we're not supposed to just be there and hope we don't sin. Because if you just stand there, you, you hope you don't sin. I mean, there's that idea of standing, right? And standing against. But we're supposed to also be making progress in holiness and moving forward and growing, following after Jesus, right? And so that's what he's going to talk about with us tonight. Now, I'm actually going to grab the microphone, the remote, just in case you have any questions or comments. I'll be ready to hand it to you. Just a moment. I seem to always forget to have it handy. But if you have any questions, I'll, I'll pass this out so everyone can hear here and uh, on the recording. Okay, so we're looking at the next part of the study, uh, rounding out this, uh, what do we pray for specifically, and deliver us from evil. And the next thing he's talking about is, let it be observed, so I'm, I'm quoting him now, Thomas Watson, let it be observed, however, that abstaining from or for forbearing the external acts of sin is not sufficient to entitle us to salvation. When we pray, deliver us from evil, more is implied in it as that we make progress in holiness. As he said earlier, I think I like alliteration, uh, progress in piety. Okay? Uh, he says, being divorced from sin is not enough unless we are espoused to virtue. 
So again, if you'll tolerate some more alliteration, it's not just that we try to put away the vice, but also having done that to grow the virtue. And um, you can think about that related to how Jesus saved us. He didn't just pay for our sins on the cross. That's, that's, that's part of how he saved us. He saved us from the eternal punishment for our sins, but he also lived the perfect righteous life on our behalf to credit us through faith with his righteousness to have eternal life. And so we should be thinking that same way as we're growing as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We want to see him grow that righteousness and holiness in us. And, uh, sorry, go ahead. Was it? Wait for the microphone, sir. Test, test, there you go. <laughs> it's like putting off the old garment and putting on the new garment. Well, there you go. That's it's not my enough next. to put, take it off. You have to put the other on. Amen. And, you know, you basically just set me up for the next section I was going to bring. Thank you very much. That's going to look like I paid him to say that. Um, I'm going to bring you to a number of scriptures that talk about that that Watson doesn't bring up as directly, but I'd, I'd like to do that. So it's like you're reading my mind. Hold, can you hold on a little bit? Okay, so what we talk about this often is the mortification of the old man, the old sin, right? And the vivification of the new man. So there's a few scriptures where Paul has in parallel ways putting off and the putting on, right? You can think of also like the new wineskins, although there's a little bit of a different dynamic of the context of what that's focusing on. What I'd like to do is look with you uh, at a couple of scriptures that have exactly what Mr. Renner said, and I think probably he has directly in mind. Would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21 to begin with? I'm going to bring you through a number of scriptures and also a shorter catechism, just to, just to kind of marinate on this idea that it's not enough that we don't want to sin. We also want to pray that we grow in sanctification. That's just as much. And you can think about what we studied a while ago, the scripture where Jesus says, you know, you've swept clean, you know, the, the room, speaking of someone that was possessed, right, by a demon. And then next thing you know, you come back, there's seven more with him, right? And we, let, we had the cockroach illustration. You know? <laughs> so it's not just that you try to keep it tidy, right? I mean, everybody knows if you just sit there, what happens to your room over time? Drives Fernanda crazy because she's allergic to it. Dust. Dust alone. You got to keep cleaning. You got to keep improving, right? You know? Okay. Or you might say it this way. If Fernanda said, hey, honey, this, this stove is just, I mean, it's not the stove, but let's say this stove is really old and cruddy. We got to get rid of it. It's just causing problems. Okay. She comes home. Look, honey, the stove's gone. Great. But there's just a hole there. <laughs> How am I supposed to cook anything? Right? You know, we need a new stove that works better, is the idea, right? And that's the idea. We want to improve the situation. So look with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 21 to 24. I, I'm, I'm sure you're very familiar with these verses, but it just helps to, to give ourselves right to them. Ephesians 4, 21 to 24. I'm going to read the other part that we have been talking about, but we'll, we're reading it especially for where it closes, the putting on of the good and holy. Okay, Ephesians 4, 21 to 24. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. By the way, I think it might have been Isaac recently asked about what's the image of God. 
This is one of those scriptures that says, growing in Christ, we've put on the new man, new righteousness, new holiness that was lost in the old man. So renewed in the image of God, who is a spirit, is righteousness and holiness. So put off the old. That's exactly what Mr. Renner, I think you were alluding to these scriptures, right? Yeah, thank you. Um, Put off the old man. We have to keep putting off. And that's a lot of what we've talked about. Please deliver me from evil. Deliver me from evil. And uh, I'm going to bring another book in uh, pretty soon to think about that a little more. But it's not enough to just say, please help me not sin. Or please help me stop sinning. That's not enough. That's not enough. There's more implied. It is also put on the new man. Lord, help me to be more like you, growing in righteousness and true holiness. So we don't want to pray, Lord, just please help me to say no. Please help me to not be burdened by that besetting sin anymore. It's more like, Lord, help me to get where I'm not even thinking about it. There's no room for it because it's crowded out with all of your light and your word and living your ways. And if we don't do that, we shouldn't be surprised when the old man is still there trying to come back in the room all the time, right? There's never a neutral we can just wait it out from here, right? I'm good. I'll just wait for Jesus to come back now. No, 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 no. You're going to continue to be buffeted by Satan, your own evil heart, the evil world, and the way you combat that is by looking to make progress and grow and advance in holiness. It's not going to come otherwise. You're going to, you're going to go back, you're going to backslide. So putting on the new man, help me to put on the new man. Uh, even though it's almost the same, let's turn to Colossians 3 to see that. Colossians 3, 8 to 10. Colossians 3, 8 to 10. Same idea. And have put on the new man. Oh, excuse me. I started with 10. (laughs) Verse 8. But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on... The new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Okay, Isaac, get your Bible going there, buddy. Okay, okay. so this putting off and this putting on. So verse 10 there, especially again, what we're focusing on tonight, yes, you have to first mortify sin, right? I think it's A.W. Pink or one of those guys said, you have to mortify first before you can vivify, right? You can't put on the new stuff over the old stuff. That's not going to work, right? But you're not to put off the old without putting on the new, okay? Uh, I want to turn back to Romans for a couple of scriptures, and then I want to look at a shorter catechism, then we'll get back uh, directly to Thomas Watson in his, in his book here. Turn with me to Romans, please, chapter 8 to begin with. Now remember chapter 6, Paul is saying, you know, we should, grace abounds much more if we sin, but should we sin that grace would abound? God forbid. We're free from the law. We're free from these things, not that we wouldn't want to be living. We're free from the condemnation. Now we're free to keep growing and living in the law without being worried about whether we do it perfectly. Let us just keep growing, right? Uh, and then in chapter 7, yet he says, but the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things I want to do, I don't do. You know, who's going to rescue me from all this? And the answer is 
Thanks be to Jesus Christ who rescued me from the sinful body. And then it goes into chapter 8, which is such an encouraging chapter, follow 6 and 7, right? We were there seeing how God gives us the Holy Spirit as a testimony to our spirits. We are the sons of God in adoption, for instance. Uh, We can cry out, or rather the Spirit groans for us when we can't even really groan or have words, and the Father hears it and answers. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, it closes with. But I want to start with, just look at verse 1 where it starts, chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So there's two things there. First of all, no condemnation because of sin and violating law. We are in Christ Jesus, so there's no condemnation. But the other aspect of that is we're following Jesus. And that means we're walking not after the flesh anymore, but we're walking after the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Galatians talks like this. We're walking with God. We're looking to be close to Jesus, listening to him, following him, walking like him. And we're no longer walking with the world and with the devil, right? And they don't walk together. Can you think of a psalm that really talks about that? I'll give you a hint. Yeah. Very good. Psalm 1. Psalm 1 pretty much sets up the whole Psalter, and then Psalm 2 does. Psalm 2 is, are you going to serve Jesus the King or not? And all the other Psalms really have to do with that. Psalm 1 relates to that. Who are you going to be? With the righteous? Are you going to walk with the righteous? Or are you going to walk with the wicked? And their end is very different, right? The wicked are like dust that blow away in the wind. The righteous that walk with the righteous in the counsel of the godly are like trees planted by water with green leaves, right? And so we want to remember that. And so walking not after the flesh, but after the spirit, you could go look again at the fruits of love in, in uh, Romans 5, 22 and 20, 21, 22, I think it is, um, bearing what the fruits look like. Uh, but notice, walking not after the flesh, that's the old man. Instead, walking with the spirit, that's the new man. And to be encouraged, what we studied this Lord's Day in the morning, you have the Holy Spirit in you, right? Okay, don't quench him. Right? Don't grieve him. Listen to him and follow his lead. Okay, so now um, I want to turn with you to Romans 12, verse 2. We looked at that recently as well, I think last week. And again, this is a verse on my wedding ring. And in Fernanda, it says Romans 12, verse 2. In my ring, it says Romanos, right? No, Homanos, I guess, right? R's or H sound. Romanos doisi dos. Did I say that right? Oh, yes. I don't think I said it perfect, though, did I? Okay. Do I, huh? Do, do, si, do, si, do. Okay. Almost sounds like do, si, do in our square dancing. I don't I have to tell you what I'm talking about. But um, so this is the verse that she wanted in our wedding rings, and I love it. Uh, help me remember. Let's come back and let me get the Portuguese back. We used to have it memorized in Portuguese and English, but here it is. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But notice, it's not just, it's not just, don't be conformed to this world. He doesn't stop with that. He goes on to say, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And do you remember the Greek word for transformed? Very good, I knew you, yeah. Metamorphosis is where we get metamorphosis. So, Come more and more out flying like a butterfly, you know? 
And the beauty of the butterflies, uh, I mean, I don't want to say nasty things about caterpillars, but I much prefer the butterfly, <laughs> you know. Get through the chrysalis. Come out different and grow and flap your wings and be beautiful. Okay, uh, I want to turn with you to Romans 13, verse 14. Last verse of chapter 13. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. The lusts of the world, the pride of life, as is spoken by John, right? Okay, so there's two things there again. The last part is, don't give provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. That's related to like, yeah, please help me not sin. Help me not give into sin, temptation and sin. But how do you do that? Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Oh, hold on. Where's the mic? Can you hand the mic to your lovely wife, please? Do you still have it? Okay. She's like, why did I raise my hand? <laughs> Mrs. Renner. Verse 12. Verse 12. End of it. It says, let us put on the armor of light. Verse 12 of which chapter? That's right above it. Chapter 13? 13, 12. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah, okay. The, ni- the night is far spent and the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. So, again, that's to put off the old. And let us put on the armor of light. Right. So what have we studied a lot? Uh, Ephesians 6, right? Put on the full armor of God. It's not just sit there and hope nobody hits you with an arrow. But put on the armor of God and protect, right? Yeah, very good. Okay. So um, uh, the la- one other thing I want to read to you. Actually, one second. I forgot to. Uh, I jotted the number down. Oops. This stare gets me sometimes. I don't see it. Uh, I'm going to open up the Westminster Shorter Catechism number 35. If you, if you have it, access to it and you want to follow it along. Uh, once I remember which app it is here. Can't find it. Ah, there it is. Okay. Shorter Catechism number 35. I'm almost there. I have to remember how to go to the older contents. Ah, okay. Let me press back a couple times here. Oh, okay, previous, previous, aha, there we go. So number 35, it it communicates the same idea. What is sanctification? Well, quickly, what is sanctification? Without looking, I mean, two words. Set apart, very good, yeah, from this world, but growing in holiness, especially holiness, right? Yeah, were you going to say that, Isaac? Cleanliness is very much related. Godly cleanliness, yeah. I'm, we're reading through Leviticus, and I am also personally, and uh, that's coming up all the time as representing being holy, yeah. Okay, so what is sanctification? Westminster Shorter Catechism 35. Sanctification is the work of God's free grace, whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God, and are enabled more and more to die unto sin and live unto righteousness. So first of all, just see real quick, we are enabled by the Holy Spirit. Remember, we are enabled, first of all, to die unto sin. That's the mortification of sin. That's the putting off of the old man, right? We're also enabled what? And this has to be part of it, to live unto righteousness. Uh, repentance unto life is a similar concept nearby where it says, you know, full purpose and ended ever after new obedience, right? Okay, but notice something else. It's the work of God's free grace. God's working in us, but we're working with him. Notice, first of all, it says it's, it doesn't say it's the act of God's free grace. Remember, justification and adoption are called acts of God's free grace. One-time thing. This is a work. 
There's supposed to continue to be growth. You can think of Philippians, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure, right? That kind of thing. He, for chapter 1, verse 6, he'll complete what he starts in you. But you're working with him. So it's an ongoing process. We shouldn't think it's nothing that doesn't involve ourselves. Exercise thyself unto godliness, Paul says, right? Okay, so we shouldn't be there going like, why, why, is, why is my arm not getting a bigger muscle? Because I got to exercise. Everybody understands that, you know. And similarly, holiness. Why am I not growing? Well, you got to exercise yourself into godliness. Okay, but notice something else here. I think you see two things we often talk about with sanctification. Can you recall two a, a distinction? Two kinds of things to talk about with sanctification. Okay, definitive sanctification and progressive sanctification. This is definitely something I, I encourage you to try to have memorized, especially elders. This is something fairly elementary, okay? Definitive sanctification, we have been defined as holy. We have been declared holy. So Paul speaks to the Corinthians and calls them saints. But then he deals with a whole lot of stuff that sounds like sinners, right? <laughs> Positionally, we have been defined as holy. We have been made holy. It relates to the idea of justification. Progressive sanctification means we're supposed to be making progress. We are not perfectly holy in our experience, right? We are, this is Romans 7. We are not perfectly holy in our life. We have to keep growing and not just try to maintain not sinning, but to be growing in holiness and good works, to be growing and reflecting the image of God in Christ. But again, that last part, so where I see that is whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God. That has to be, so are the, the next part has, no, we can't do it. We have been renewed in the whole man after the image of God. But just like total depravity, we can keep getting worse, but we're deprived in every place. Uh, so in holiness, we, we are, we've been made holy in every place, but we can keep getting more holy in this life, and we're supposed to. And so that's the definitive. And then the progressive is we are, uh, whoops, I lost my spot here. Hold on a second. Uh, we are enabled by the Holy Spirit more and more to die unto sin. That's the putting off the old man. And to live unto righteousness. That's the putting on the new. That is what is implied that we're focusing on tonight. Asking that God would deliver us from sin is not that just we would choose not to sin. Or that we would just ask to help us get out of it and not, not keep sinning. It's that we want more than that. We want to be growing and, and be holy, right? Okay, so I'm going to get back to Thomas Watson now. He uh, quotes a number of scriptures for us. First of all, there's this one scripture that says, depart from evil and do good. See, that's the kind of the two things again. Depart from evil, but don't just stay there. Do good. That is Psalm 34, verse 14. And he quotes Romans 12, verse 9. Cease to do evil, learn to do well. Same idea, right? Stop the evil, do good. Stop the evil, learn to do good. Get that new stove, yeah, come on. Yeah, I, I had a good illustration, I think, for the ladies here tonight. Huh? They can really <laughs> well, the men too, we want to eat, right? <laughs> yeah, you could come back and say, we come back for dinner that night. Where's our dinner? Where's my stove? <laughs> okay, and then once they get the good stove, they're like, ooh, this is better. Okay. 
Isaiah 1, 16 and 17, he quotes, Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness. Oh, excuse me, excuse me. Um, I think he gave us, depart from evil and do good, is Psalm 34, 14 and Romans 12, 9. Then cease to do evil, learn to do well, is Isaiah 1, 16 and 17. And then 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1 is what I'm quoting now. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness. You hear that idea of perfecting holiness, making progress in sanctification. We want to be able to look at ourselves again, not even just 10 years ago, 10 months ago, 10 minutes ago, and say, I'm so glad I'm not that guy anymore, or I'm not that, not that gal anymore. I'm, I'm not the same person. I'm growing and, of course, there are such personal benefits, but it's mostly to just give God glory. And then Watson writes this. As it is in the body, it is not enough that the disease be stopped, but it must grow in health. So in the soul, it is not enough that acts of sin be foreborn, which is stopping a disease, but it must be healthy and grow in holiness. So, you know, one of our saints, it's not enough like that the cancers are coming back. We want to make sure that we keep having lots of good white blood cells, right? We want to be making sure that we're exercising, not just that we lost weight because we've controlled what we're eating. And so there's not a lot of flab, but also that we're doing some kinds of exercises that we also got some muscle tone. Because the muscle tone is also important to be healthy and strong and protected from injury, right? It's, it's more than that. Okay, uh, he writes this. Those are reproved, corrected, who labor only to suppress the outward acts of sin, but do not press on to holiness. They cease from doing evil, but do not learn to do well. And again, it's not just, the, well, I'm going to just try to be real careful. I don't mess up. No, we've been made holy, so now we need to progress in that holiness. We can't mess it up, so to speak. Christ has saved us, and he calls us to grow in being more Christ-like. Uh, it's not enough to just cease from doing evil. We must learn to do well. And of course, he gave us those scriptures. He also writes this. This is not enough. You, you must advance a step further in solid piety. It is not enough that a field be not sown with tares or hemlock, but it must be sown with good seed. You think of it this way, hey, it's great, we went around the backyard and we dug out all the weeds, but there's just dirt there now. <laughs> How about we plant some flowers, <laughs> right? And then let's water them and help them grow and keep the seeds, the weeds at bay, but let's do something more than just removing the weeds, right? Uh, let's grow something. Let's make something out of this. Let's look to do something. I always like, I forget where I heard it from, but... Uh, you, you know, I've been trained to think of it this way. Never leave a job, like if you're going on to another company, or never leave a place or location. If you're there and it's time to clean up a little bit, never leave it the way you found it. That's not enough. Make it better, right? Find a place that needs a little more sprucing. Find a place that could use a nice table plant, you know, whatever it is. Find a way to make the system work better, improve the situation, right? This is why, uh, by God's grace and involvement, that Joseph constantly had these opportunities come to him. He didn't just stay in jail and say, well, I'm going to try not to complain. Tell me your dreams. Please remember me. 
right? He did good management while the other brothers didn't, right? Or when he's even uh, Potiphar's servant, he's, they always put him in places of leadership because he's just a good hard worker and a good manager of what's there before him. Look to be making good things, right? Okay. You might say, don't just not eat the sour lemon. Make lemonade, right? Put some sugar in there. Not too much. <laughs> All right. He also writes this. Consider two things, he says. First, consider if that you are not guilty of gross sins, be the best certificate you have to show God makes no account of you. What he says is, okay, outwardly you look like a model citizen. Nothing to complain of. Nothing major. Although one day I'd like to study the book by Jerry Bridges, Acceptable Sins. It's all kinds of things we don't think are so bad, but God does. <laughs> but we, we think are fine and we accept them. That's a down the road. Uh, partly because I've never read it and I want to read it, so I like to use you as my opportunity and we'll learn along the way. <laughs> but it says, just because you might look good hourly, that's not enough. That's nothing. You know, you whitewash tombs, right? Got to wash the inside of the cup, Jesus says. It's not enough that you're maintaining appearances or even outwardly you're not really hurting anybody. Jesus says it comes from the heart, right? If you're angry at someone without just cause, you're guilty of murder. If you didn't murder someone, it doesn't make any difference. If you are lusting after someone and nobody knows but you, you're guilty of adultery. By the way, that's significant with these movements of revoice and stuff in the PCA and, and, and other places where, oh, it's not a sin uh, to, to uh, it's a sin to act on homosexuality urges, but it's not a sin to have them. Because we've, we've been trained to think they're born this way, just like all other sins, whether it's alcoholism, which is a sin, it's called drunkenness, right? You know, we, we make up these things, it's our, it's our institution, it's something about us, as long as we keep it at bay. No, 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 no. No, it is a sin in your heart. The inclination is a sin. And you don't want to just not act on it. You want to say, what did we study earlier? Created me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Cause me to rejoice in thy salvation. Do good and holy things in me. Give me a heart that desires you. Give me a heart that is after God so that I have a greater spring in my step and a better walk for God. You got something to say there, Mr. Renner? Oh, I'm sorry, our time is up. No, just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> if I said that, he's going to have to hit me on the head with that thing because I never stop now. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm thinking of, of that favorite verse, Psalm 1914. The words of my mouth, yeah. let the words of my mouth and yeah. the meditation of oh, my right. heart right. be acceptable unto thee. Amen. And, and if we're, the Lord is working on our heart, those words and those actions are going to reflect it, right? You ever have a plant that's not doing so good because you've neglected it, but you pour water on it and the plant just doesn't not die. What do you notice happens? just starts to stand up straight again. The leaves start to spread again, starts to turn green again, right? If you catch it in time. And that's the idea that if the Lord's working on our heart, that's supposed to be seen. And more particularly to the, to the illustration again, Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit, bear the fruit of the Spirit. There should be fruit, right? And growing that fruit. And we know, like anyone that cultivates trees or plants or doesn't, there's an art to these things. And you keep learning, experimenting, growing. And there's a, there's a commitment and consistency to these things, you know. I think we're so far removed, most of us, Mr. Renner probably a little closer, but to the food industry. You know, we don't grow our own food anymore, for the most part, right? Uh, I 
dabbled in the backyard one summer. I was getting kale going like right then, and then never pulled that off again. But like we're so far removed, we don't really recognize all the work that goes into bringing that food that we just pick it up and take it home and eat it, right? And it's a lot of work, a lot of cultivation, and some are more diligent than others. Therefore, some are going to grow and produce better products than others. And some are going to really be careful to do it without pesticides and things that actually bring poison into the body and learn ways like ladybugs, for instance, ways to help that food grow and actually do better. Actually, weren't you sharing with me, Mr. Renner, on our trip? Didn't somebody share with you they learned how to do something to keep so the food was growing a lot better and natural? They put something around it and I think you shared something. It was a natural thing. Okay. I think it was you on our trip, but I, I, I could be wrong. Everything gets kind of muddled in there. But there's this idea of how do we develop and cultivate and grow good and better products. You might think of, you know, you go to the state fairs. They all want to show who's got the biggest whatever, the pumpkin or right, you know. And then, but also you want to open up and find there's good stuff to eat, depending on the contest, right? So we want to be producing something good for the Lord. And again, if you're just, all you got to show is, no really horrible outward sins. You know, like people in my life have often said, well, I haven't killed anybody. And they think they're okay. But they're really not living for the Lord at all, let alone even trying to produce, right? It's not enough. Live and grow for the Lord, or it's probably not real, right? Then he quotes Matthew 3, verse 10. Every, or excuse me, I'm on to the number two. First of all, if you're not guilty of gross sins, be the, uh, that's all you have is your best certificate to show God makes no account of you. And then number two, he says to consider. A man may abstain from evil, yet he may go to hell for not doing good. You might keep your back. Self- of course, we know this is not even possible, right? You can't control your thoughts pers- perfectly, let alone anything else. But if you don't do good, you're still going to hell, even if you don't do evil. We are born naturally sinner, right? But think about this. A while back, he warned us about one of the things to watch out for, the sins of... Anybody got it? Omission. Very good. Is that what you're going to say, Isaac? Okay. Sins of omission, meaning I omit doing what is required of me, right? And you can think of a great illustration, right? Who is my neighbor? Oh, well, let's look at this guy, Jesus says, bloodied up on the street, left for dead. All these religious people who everybody thinks are so holy, walking right by him. It's the Samaritan, everybody likes to say he's no good, that goes over and saves his life, right? Doing good, not just not doing bad. And so then he gives us Matthew 3, verse 10. Every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. So we're not just praying, please don't let me do any bad sins. Please help me to do good fruit that's worthy in you of being something to bring to heaven. It's not that we earn it. It's not our merits, but things that don't have to all be burned up, right? Okay. Now I want to bring you to a couple of scriptures uh, that relate to this idea that it's not enough just to not sin. That's not all we're thinking of, but of course... That's impossible anyways. We don't want to imply that we could not sin. But if the sin of omission, not doing good, not producing holiness with it. What's another example? Hey, servant, I left you with some money. What'd you do with it? I buried it in the ground. Because, you know, well, couldn't you have at least put it in the bank? Make a little interest? The others who produce fruit with investment and trying, right? They're the ones that are praised for. But uh, Matthew 7, verse 12. Turn with me there first, please. Matthew 7, verse 12.
Matthew 7, verse 12, we know it well. The golden rule. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Now, this is the difference of Christianity in terms of the moral life to live in Christ. Do you remember what the distinction is from every other religion? It sounds similar. You might recall when we were here in the Sermon on the Mount, Sermon through Matthew, Sermon on the Mount as well, as a while ago. Every other religion, if they're talking about trying to do good, is don't do anything to anyone you don't want done to you. If you don't want that done to you, don't do it to them, and you're good. Jesus says, no, that's not enough. Do to others what you would like them to do to you. Would you like to have a visit from your neighbor? Would you like someone to ask you how you're doing when you're sick? Would you like someone to be praying for you? Are you praying for them? Are you visiting them? Right? What does he say elsewhere? Sheep separated from the goats. You visited me when I was in prison. You took care of me when I was sick. When did we do that? When you did it to the least of these, my brethren. Right? He wants to see that there's something really there producing. Gabriel, you have a question? Is it short? Should I give you the microphone? Hold on. Let me get you the mic. Okay. And uh, Mama, can you turn it off when we're done? Gabriel says he's going to say something he learned from class. A word from my matter class. Oh no, take it off your lips a little bit, buddy. Yeah, right there. <laughs> a word from my matter class that treat others as you want them to treat you. Just like your sermon. Amen. Just like you're, they're saying this very scripture. Yeah, he's taking a good manners class in class day, which is tomorrow. Uh, the next one, and in manners class, he says, that's what they taught me. Do to other people what you want them to do to you. Very good. And that means not just not hitting them, it means hugging them, right? Yeah. Or as for example. Yes, you got to, real quick. Because you gotta... if you want others to treat you good, you will have to treat others good. Right. Because if you want them to treat you right. good, you have to treat them good so they treat you good. Amen. We got it. And, and even more, even if they don't treat us good, we want to be seen doing good for, but especially, because yeah, right. They might good. change their mind. Because they might change. You might influence them. If, if you keep doing good things when they do bad things to you, they might change and they'll... Yeah, you know, preacher brother, you know what you got me thinking of is Romans, overcome evil. Don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Yeah, we're tempted to say, and this relates to turning other cheek, right? Oh, instead, I bless you and I forgive you. What's that going to do to somebody? Okay, very good. Mama, can you get the mic and I'm going to continue? Very good. Thank you, Gabriel. Oh, drop my pen here. Okay. Uh, another verse I want to take you to is Matthew 12. Can you turn with me to Matthew 12, beginning with verse 29? And again, it's this idea that when we pray, deliver us from evil, it is not just help me not to give in to the temptation. Please help me not sin. That's definitely the explicit thing. But what is implied is far more if we understand and we're actually growing and serving the Lord. Because we don't want to just not go to hell. We want to glorify God, Right? We don't want to just this free pass into heaven. We want to bless the world with the kingdom of heaven on our way there. Okay, Matthew uh, 12, 29 to 31. Or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house? Oh, wait a minute. I don't think I'm in the right place here. 12. Oh, bother. I think I... 
It might be Mark. Um, okay. I wrote something down wrong, but I, I can talk about it easily. I'll look it up later. You've heard it many times. So Jesus is asked in the gospel several times, what is the greatest commandment? And maybe we're thinking one of the Ten Commandments, right? And Jesus answered, what's the first and greatest commandment? Deuteronomy 6, right? 4 and 5, and that's what? Love the Lord thy God. Go ahead and say it with me. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Well, actually, it starts with this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength. Now, he says, this is the first and greatest commandment, but it's summarized in one thing. Love God, right, with everything in you. And then he quotes, the second is like unto it. And he quotes Leviticus uh, 19, 18. The first part of that verse he doesn't quote, remember, is what? Don't bear a grudge against your brother. And the antidote, the way to do that is what he quotes. What's the greatest command? Uh, love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law is summed up in those two things. Love the Lord with everything in you. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? And that's summarized in one word with an L. Love. Right. What's that? It was Mark. Thank you. I was considering which gospel to go to and I'm, I'm so used to defaulting to Matthew. Thank you, Mr. Renner. Mark 12, uh, 19 to 31 says that. You know, why, why don't we go there since we know now? Well, let, let's read, it, read the Lord's words directly. Mark, yeah, Mark 12, starting with 29. And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. A fourth thing is added in the New Testament because of the Greek. This is the first commandment, and, sec and the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Okay, so here's the thing. Love. Love is not just, I try not to kill anybody. It's I try to bless everybody, right? Love is more than just trying not to sin. Now I want to close with this. If that's the main commandment, love, let's turn to where how that's spelled out a bit. Where is it spelled out, men? Well, we're studying the chapter with John, Jonathan Edwards' book, Charity and Its Fruit. Right? And let's, let's turn there. Let's just close with, if, if we're supposed to be praying more than help me not sin, we're actually wanting to pray, Lord, help me to love. And 1 Corinthians 13 gives us a real good uh, description and ideas of, about how to do that. A lot of scriptures we could go to, but that's a, that's a pretty helpful one to go to. And uh, we'll read that in closing. 1 Corinthians 13. So, Lord, deliver me from evil is just as much help me to love. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity, or love, 
It's the same Hebrew Greek word, agape. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things. Believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I also am known. And now abideth faith, hope, Charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity, or the greatest of these is love. Let us pray. O Lord God in heaven, we do thank you for teaching us not only to pray, not to give in to lust, but to learn how to love, and to love to love, and to live to love. Lord, not only that we wouldn't be involved in works of death and darkness, but that we would be walking in the light as you are in the light, following and walking in the Spirit. That it would be said of us that we walked with God and we walked before the Lord. Lord, we pray that you indeed deliver us from evil. And we pray as well that that would mean that you help us to make progress in piety, to grow in holiness, to exercise ourselves into godliness, to bear much fruit of the Spirit. And we pray, Holy Spirit, you help us to do that for Christ's sake, through whom we pray. And all your people said, Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.